Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. We are sitting in the Browns media room, I guess behind the Browns media room, uh, on Wednesday's day. Wednesday still? Yeah, it's Wednesday. Um, of course, this is the day that we found out Deshaun Watson's season is over. He's going to undergo surgery on his right-throwing shoulder, and so the Browns are going with Dorian Thompson-Robinson as their starter. There are like five six, ten different things we need to address in this podcast. So let's just kind of go through everything here one by one. Let's just start with the news. Mary Kay, this was a shock to everyone. In a business where there aren't many things that are actually shocking that happen, things usually leak out, we find out about, this was a shock. And I just, I'm curious, let's just start here. What were your thoughts initially when you found out about this? Well, I was absolutely 100% flabbergasted to the point where I dropped a holy F-bomb <laughs> on someone. And I still feel a little bit bad about that. But, you know, this, I think, rose to holy F status. I mean, it was like, here we have been talking about uh, the possibility of the Browns going to the Super Bowl for the last few days. And even though that may have seemed like it was a bit of an overreaction to the Ravens' victory, the truth of the matter is, when you have a defense like that, an unbelievable championship-caliber defense like the Cleveland Browns have, and then you put a an elite quarterback into the mix, someone who looked a whole lot like his old self on Sunday against the Ravens, you know, anything could happen. And I think that if this team got to the playoffs with Deshaun Watson at quarterback, that there are not too many teams in the NFL that would have really looked forward uh, to that being their matchup. And I think that anything could have happened, and I really do believe uh, that this team was sort of almost like Team Destiny a little bit, and that, you know, stranger things have happened. At least they would have had a chance. And now, you know, that seems to be in jeopardy, although we've got some really, really confident uh, defensive players that don't think it's in jeopardy (laughs) whatsoever, even though Dorian Thompson-Robinson is now the quarterback. Yeah, that's one of our topics is where can this team go now without Deshaun Watson. But Ashley, um, I know for me, like when, you know, the way this usually works with breaking news is Mary Kay gets the post up. One of us usually texts it. Uh, We tried to do it as quickly as possible. My text actually went out probably 30 seconds or a minute later than I wanted it to because before I hit send, I had to like triple check the Browns tweet and I had to like make sure that that's what the email said. And like, even though it had the gold check mark and it said Browns and like everybody was retweeting it and I I still didn't believe it initially. Like I had to make sure that I wasn't getting duped somehow. Yeah. So, I mean, like when we first saw the news and we're texting and we're trying to figure out, you know, I wanted to know if you were going to text or I was going to text. But before all that, I responded in our group chat and said, holy shut, because it was a typo for the expletive I actually wanted to say and didn't have time to correct it, didn't even notice it. But, I mean, truthfully, I rewatched the full game yesterday, not the condensed version, the full broadcast, the full game, and I don't think, looking back on it, that there was any real indication that something was wrong with that shoulder. There looked like there was something wrong with the ankle, right? Basically from the time he took that hit against Clowney. He was clearly favoring not, you know, wanting to step on that left leg normally. Um, And of course, today he came in the facility with walking boot. The boot, the Browns said it was a high ankle sprain. But the shoulder, like maybe beyond him, like sort of half-heartedly grabbing at it, like it wasn't anything that would jump out beyond you thinking, oh, 
he's maybe adjusting his shoulder pad or maybe it's a little nagging from before. So I just think it was not in any realm news I expected to wake up to today, especially after how he looked on the final drive of that game and some of the throws he made, not even just plays, not even just the run, like the 17 yard throw to Amari Cooper. Like how does a guy with a fracture in his shoulder make that play? It's just not at all what I would have expected. It's shocking. I think for everybody, including Deshaun Watson. Okay. So we're, we're going to spin this forward a little bit and, and talk Dorian Thompson Robinson. He'll be starting on Sunday, but before we do that, let's just, Let's talk as much about Deshaun Watson and this trade and kind of where things are now um, when all is said, kind of where we're at now. So, Mary Kay, this is where the Browns and Deshaun are. Uh, Obviously, he's got the contract. It's fully guaranteed. It would be a shock if he went anywhere. I don't even know how that would look financially if they decided to move on from this. So I think we can take that out of the equation, at least for now. When he plays again, assuming it's week one, He'll have played 12 games for the Browns in two years. And one of those games was the Colts game where he lasted a quarter. I think with three years left on this, I still don't think we can write the book on this trade. But right now, two years in, it, it for different reasons, obviously, you can't blame a guy for getting hurt. But also there was the suspension and all of that. It just hasn't worked out. And I, I guess I wish... I wish I could know what the Browns really feel right now about this trade and if they would still do it if you said to them, two years in, he'll have played 12 games for you. Well, once again, when you're dealing with an injury, it's it's just not something anyone can control. Right. I mean, when you look at the Jets right now and uh, Aaron Rodgers is supposed to you know take these guys potentially to a Super Bowl this year and he suffers a ruptured Achilles tendon. You know, I don't think you can look at it in terms of, um, you know, that it's a bad trade or we shouldn't have done the trade. These injuries are completely out of anyone's control. And, um, you know, obviously, if you had known that anything like this was going to happen and he was only going to play 12 games in his first two seasons, certainly you would not do that. But I don't think you can really look at this and say, you know, this was uh, a complete and total disaster. Uh, and should not have happened because who knows, they could still go to two Super Bowls, you know, in the final three years of his contract. But certainly we must remember that his contract is worth $46 million a year. Okay. So $90 million a year, $90 million has gone out the window, 46 and 46. It's a little more than 90, but, um, 92, there you go. Look at you, Dan. After all that math talk, you got it right. It is. That's a lot of money because, as we know, they have had to restructure a lot of players, Deshaun included, to make this work, to have a guy like that. And they looked like they were on the precipice of something special happening this year. Now, would they have gone all the way to the Super Bowl? Who knows? I mean, it is wide open in the AFC. We see how Josh Allen is playing. We see some other things that are going on in the AFC. And it did look like there would have at least have been a chance. I mean, you would have to get past the Kansas City Chiefs probably. uh, Or, you know, who knows who, who they would have had to beat to get there. But it looked like they had a chance, a fighting, fighting chance. And again, you know, we'll get into this a little bit more. 
but you know the defensive players they still believe they have the exact same fighting chance the tr- truth of the matter though it's really hard to go far unless you have that elite quarterback and that's that's the other part of this is when he comes back again it's it's just the unprecedented things continue to pile up right like okay a guy sits out 700 days that was fairly unprecedented, and we saw that that was a struggle. And now you're going to add on, he's coming back, back from this shoulder surgery and this injury that we're having trouble finding another quarterback who has dealt with this injury. I know, Ashley, you were looking around a lot today trying to find anybody, and, and you couldn't yeah. do it. So this is fairly unprecedented. And when we get to 2024, we're going to be talking about a guy that's paid, played 12 games in three years, 12 games since 2020. Look, he looked great against Baltimore. And that was awesome (laughs) if you were hoping to see the old Deshaun Watson again. But the farther away you move and the more injuries you pile up and the more time you miss, it's just harder and harder to envision seeing that that Houston Deshaun Watson at least consistently again. So I I don't know. The Browns are going to be right back to square one next year with kind of Deshaun and knocking off the rust and and all of that again. And, And that's frustrating. Yeah, I mean, to put it into perspective, I did try to, like, do some Google advanced searches and altering timeframes of things I was looking for and different phrases and words and all that. And the only, like, recent example of this specific injury, a glenoid fracture that I could find was Dallas Goddard suffered it last year. And he's obviously not a quarterback. So I don't think there's really any comparison to what Dallas is doing this year and how quickly he came back with what Deshaun is doing, because it's also in his throwing shoulder. And with quarterbacks, that's a totally different animal that you're talking about. Like, I do think, you know, I asked Andrew Berry about this today. Like, it just seems so unprecedented. It's like, how can you really have a roadmap for it? Now, as Andrew typically does, he didn't really give an answer, a detailed answer on that, and kind of said, well, it's medical, so, you know, we don't really know, and we're not going to talk about it. Um, But I do think it's interesting. Like, it is hard to say what this is going to look like in nine months or a year or next training camp or what he's going to look like when he does come back, because I think the reality is anytime you have a long layoff, especially as a quarterback, like you do kind of have to go through that reacclimation. And I guess like the hope is, well, now you're, you're coming back to the same team with hopefully a lot of the same guys. So maybe that reacclimation becomes easier, but there's just so much unknown with this injury specifically. I also want to ask this, Mary Kay, because um, obviously Andrew Barry told us that this injury is separate from the previous injury. Now, Deshaun Watson was not as definitive when he was asked about that. Um, But anyway, is there some concern here that, you know, Deshaun, who is incredibly durable, has been incredibly durable throughout his career. Uh, I mean, it was incredible that he finished that game based on what we know now. Since he's come back and played and started taking hits, he's now suffered two injuries that are going to keep him out a significant amount of time, which is not anything that's happened before in his career. And I just like, he's not old. He's what 20, he'll be 28 when he comes back. Is that right? Or he's 28 now? Um, Something like that. But I don't know. I almost wonder like missing that time, not getting hit. He is getting older. He is getting close to 30. Like, are you, are you starting to wonder if maybe that durability that he was known for, for so long is, is starting to fade even a little bit. You know what? I, I don't know. It's, it's really hard to answer that um, because, as you mentioned, 
Deshaun wasn't 100% certain that this particular injury was completely 100% unrelated to the strained rotator cuff. Now, it's and I guess it's entirely possible that these two things had nothing to do with each other. <laughs> but there's just something in the back of my mind that makes me wonder if that that very traumatic blow that he took to the shoulder in that game against the Titans and that was a that was a big hard hit by Amani Hooker in that game at the end of a run. We know that it knocked Deshaun Watson out of action with a lot of residual swelling and pain for most of four games. Three full games, part of another one, or most of, of the other one. Um, and, you know, it, it just makes me wonder if somehow these two things are not related. And we may never know the answer to that. But it just seems to me that that, that traumatic blow to the shoulder you know, maybe somehow, some way resulted in or led to this because he doesn't even remember when this particular injury may have happened. And yeah, it's, and let's be honest, this team has not exactly been great when it comes to quarterback injuries over the years. We all remember Baker in 2021. Uh, and this year, Andrew Barry sat up at a podium and told us that Deshaun Watson was going to play against San Francisco. <laughs> that that did not happen. He didn't. He, he tried to start against Indy. It didn't go well. Um, but he didn't actually play a full game until Arizona. So he missed. It was four games. So for the most most of four games. So I don't know. I I, I don't necessarily want to just give them the benefit of the doubt and say, oh yeah, sure, okay. If they say it's unrelated, then it has to be unrelated. Maybe they just don't know. But I I think it's it is a wild coincidence that this is the same shoulder that's keeping him out. So I think that's worth noting. I just think overall to wrap up kind of this whole Deshaun part of this, I guess I kind of just feel bad for Browns fans because they've been waiting so long for this, to have this quarterback. They've gone through a lot. They've had to accept a lot. He finally looks like that guy. Now his season's over, and now it's going to be back to square one with him when, when he does come back, Ashley. I just think it's it's just a bad situation all around, and, and it's this is one that, again, it's an injury. It's not anyone's fault, but it just sucks for Browns fans. Yeah, I mean, it certainly hasn't really been fun. I mean, I would argue it's been fun for the end of the Ravens game and <laughs> I guess maybe the Titans game, but, like, you kind of have to take into account your opponent, right? And I do think it's hard. And look, like, I grew up here. Like, I understand the long-suffering <laughs> nature of this fan base, especially, you know, 99 on. Um so I do think that part of it is undeniable. And I think, look, given the baggage that Deshaun Watson comes with, there is going to be a lot of people. And, you know, I don't fault people for their opinions about him, but I think there's going to be a lot of people who aren't going to have much sympathy for him or the Browns. Uh, but I think ultimately... If you feel that way, Browns fans are not the ones who brought him here, right? Like, I do think that there is an element of sympathy that anyone can have for this fan base that has suffered so long and finally thinks, oh, something is going uh, the right way. And then immediately <laughs> on the term of, turn of, you know, a switch, it's no longer appears that way anymore. 
Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm sure we'll talk more to Sean as well, but we're going to try and start to spin this forward a little bit to DTR, who's going to start to what this team can accomplish still without Deshaun, uh, spend a little more time on what is probably going to end up being the most newsworthy day the Browns have this season. Deshaun Watson done for the year as the Browns quarterback. Uh, We will be back after a break. Welcome back to the Orange Brown Talk Podcast. Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, breaking down all the angles of this Deshaun Watson uh, situation. He is out for the season. And of course, the decision was also made today, Mary Kay, that Dorian Thompson-Robinson will start this week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I almost forgot who the Browns were playing this week. Uh, He will start this week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Obviously, his first start did not go very well. Why will this start be different? Well, I think there are a couple of reasons why it should be different. First of all, he did not know he was starting that game until two and a half hours before the game. He had some inkling that maybe he might have to play or start, but really not. I mean, Deshaun had told everybody he was playing that game, and it wasn't until he got out and did that morning workout and figured out that his shoulder was not going to cooperate that DTR realized, holy crap, I'm starting this (laughs) football game. And, you know, I talked to him, him about that two weeks ago, and he said, that's really no way to go into a football game where you just, you know, you haven't practiced, you're not prepared. And furthermore, they were not able to support him enough in that game. They didn't change the game plan enough. Once it was their fifth-round rookie in there, they didn't give him enough of a running game. You know, they had him passing the ball too much. They didn't have screens planned or anything like that. They just didn't – they were not ready – for him to go out there and to be starting that football game. So it was that was a shocker to everyone. So I think from that standpoint, he should be better. But the truth of the matter, he's going up against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, he has to go against Cam Hayward, who didn't even play in the first meeting, and T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith and, you know, yeah, six more weeks of practice and, and a lot more, you know, many more reps during the week. It's still the Pittsburgh Steelers that he has to go against. Yeah, congratulations. Your first two starts are against the Baltimore Ravens, the you know the second best defense in the NFL, and the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are one of the best defenses in the NFL. And I feel like the Broncos have been playing pretty well too. Uh, but I, I don't want to make any declarations there because I haven't done any research on the Broncos. Maybe their defense is actually terrible. I don't know. But anyway, Ashley, I, you know I, I mentioned on the video we probably overreacted a little bit to DTR's performance in the preseason, or at least the Browns probably did. But we also probably shouldn't overreact to one game against the Ravens when he had to start on two hours notice. And it felt like even everybody in this organization believed Deshaun when he said he was going to be able to play. I think even Deshaun believed yes. that Deshaun was going to Yeah, be I'm not able saying Deshaun yeah, is like yeah. lying. I'm just right, saying yeah. I think everybody yeah, thought, right, okay. Right, yeah. I mean, everyone, I think, thought that that was trending in a way that it did not materialize, right? And I do think it would be really hard, even for a veteran guy, to be in that position. But I think especially for a rookie who is still learning how to be a backup quarterback in the NFL, that's incredibly difficult. He had never seen the Ravens yet at that point in time. Um, And I definitely agree. I mean, this is a tough assignment. We talked on the way home from Baltimore, Mary Kay, extensively about this week feels like the tougher week when it terms in, in terms of dealing with the pass rush. Even though the Ravens defense is good, this I think is the one pass rush that you don't want to have to go against if you're in this position. So I do think it is unfortunate for him, but I think that 
his performance against the Ravens because of that lack of time to prepare and, you know, even just mentally prepare and have to get ready and say, hey, you know what, I'm starting a football game today, a division football game, and knowing that emphatically, I think that can make a difference, especially for a rookie. And DTR has a lot of college experience. He has a preseason experience, but reps are reps in season, and he doesn't have a ton of those to fall back on when you're thrown into the fire like that. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm I'm a pretty firm believer at this point, Mary Kay, that for a guy like DTR to actually get better, he's got to play. Um, I, he, he just can't do enough in practice anymore in the NFL. And I think, I mean, we've seen guys sit out and come in and be good, but I, I wonder how much of that is just like, hey, Patrick Mahomes is really good. So it probably helped to sit for a year, but he's just really good regardless. Um, is that part of the, part of the, the math here that the Browns are doing? Obviously they're trying to win. But if they can kind of have their cake and eat it too, like can like play well enough to win games, but also develop this other quarterback, that's kind of beneficial. I mean, they're sort of rolling the dice on the ceiling of DTR and what they think he can be and sort of developing him, him here over the next month and a half. You know what? I don't think that the Browns are in developing anybody mode right now. I think that they are in, uh, I, I've used this uh, phrase so many times, that, you know, this is their prized pig that they were supposed to be taken to the fair. And <laughs> I love the pig analogy. <laughs> I have several pig yeah, phrases. You do. Uh, pig and a poke. Um, but this, you know, this was it. This was the addition of the Cleveland Browns that was supposed to go the distance and be able to win a Super Bowl for them. So I really don't think that is part of the equation. I think that they really believe in their heart of hearts that right now at this moment, DTR is their best option uh, to move forward and win football games. And we're soon going to find out if they were gravely wrong about that or if they know more about this whole thing than we do. Because I was a big advocate at the trade deadline of either getting Jacoby Brissett, which they would have. I remember some people questioned me on this. You'd give up a third-round pick for Jacoby Brissett? And I said, yes, I would. I said, because if Deshaun goes down at any point the rest of this season and you don't have a good quarterback for the final stretch and for the playoffs, what you know? what's a third-round pick? Who cares, right? So I was very adamant that they should trade for Jacoby Brissett. And if they couldn't do that, if you're wondering what this that is, table. but there's this table in the room we're in, and it's, it's, there's like this glass sensitive. on it. <laughs> I think the, gla- the glass is not attached to the table. Yeah. Which Sorry is about that. Concerning. <laughs> it's been a long day. Um, but, and if they could not get him, because obviously it would have cost them a little bit to get him. Uh, but if they couldn't do that, short of that, then bring back Joshua Dobbs, because by then... You knew that Joshua Dobbs had started games, the game probably had slowed down for him, and that he might just be better than what you had. And what did the Vikings give up for him again? Like a six-round pick, not, wasn't not it? Not much. I don't, I don't yeah, remember. I, but not. I have to go look that up or... again. I mean, it was something like that. So, I mean, why not do that? What are you? Who cares? It's a six-round pick. And I remember saying that to someone at some point, and, and they said, Oh, well, DTR beat him out in in training camp. Well, did he really beat him out in training camp? No. I I would push back on that, too, because Josh Jobs was basically given that backup quarterback job the minute he signed. And if you remember in preseason, 
They were sitting him out. He was not playing. And it was because they knew he was going to be the backup. Right. So they were treating him like the backup. So I I would push back on that notion too. He did not. I don't think that DTR beat out Joshua Duff. Everybody was really excited about DTR in training camp. But I, I just don't think it rose to the level of, hey, he's our number two lockdown quarterback. And so um, I would have done that. I would have done that at the trade deadline. And we've seen what Joshua Dobbs has done the last two weeks for the Minnesota Vikings. He's looked pretty darn good. And, you know, I mean, we'll see. I mean, maybe DTR, maybe they are going to strike lightning uh, with DTR in the same way or catch lightning in a bottle is what I meant to say. Um, In the same way that the 49ers did with Brock Purdy. You know, maybe that's the thinking here is we just need Brock Purdy. We need somebody that's really smart and that can process really quickly and has a good strong arm and can make good decisions and not throw interceptions. And we have a really good defense and he's going to take us all the way. That must be the thinking. Andrew Barry has done some really good things as GM. Um, There's also some questionable things he's done. But I think the Josh Dobbs thing was an overreaction to DTR. And it was kind of Andrew falling in love with this idea of, I'm going to use this phrase again, having his cake and eating it too. Oh, we used a fifth round pick on DTR. Let's trade Josh Dobbs and they got a fifth back for him, right? So let's recoup that fifth rounder we used on DTR and we get a new, you know, and we get a new backup that we like. He's ready to go. He just got a little too cute. And this, by the way, this is something we've all been saying since DTR made his first start. You've got to figure out backup quarterback and they didn't do it. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to think about. I talked about this with you today, Dan, like seeing Joshua Dobbs in that game last week and him like scrambling for that 15-yard touchdown or whatever it is and reposting memes of guys singing that Creed song, Take Me Higher. (laughs) And like, I'm like, gosh, what could have been, you know? And I think like Josh Dobbs is a prime example of time in the league and getting a few starts under your belt and experience in games being vital. And I do, I mean, it's really hard for me. I can't justify that trade right now, right? Like, and I wasn't that crazy about it at the time because I thought Josh Dobbs was so well suited for the role they had him in here. And again, when we talk about these draft picks, it's like, what? Like, why are you worried? Like, Again, the less need F them picks philosophy, I think is like, yes, it's a joke. And yes, he walked it back. But at a certain point, when you're trying to go to the Super Bowl, there's some merit to that. Yeah, I mean, look, a fifth-round pick is awesome. It's great to have. But, I mean, Nick Harris is a great example, right? You draft Nick Harris to be your your center in waiting. He gets hurt. His career changes. And guess what you did? You went out and find another, found another guy to be your starting center. So you can always find replacements for, for these draft picks. And... I guess we're going to see. This is kind of the test of what we've been talking about. You can't ignore that backup quarterback position based on this shoulder injury with Deshaun and how it might come back to haunt them in a way that they probably didn't expect. We're going to, we're going to find out uh, over these next uh, eight games. And we're going to talk about those next eight games. But first, we're going to take a break and we will come back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast and dig into what we think this Browns team can still accomplish without their starting quarterback. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby, Mary Cabot, Ashley Bastock. It is time to 
I don't know, predict, talk about what the Browns can do in this season's, uh, not second half, it's eight games, it's a lot of the second half, so they've got Pittsburgh coming up Sunday, Denver, LA, both road games, we've got Jacksonville and Chicago at home, at Houston, home versus the Jets, at the Bengals. They're 6-3 and three right now. That's as close to the number one seed as it is to being out of the playoff picture. So everything is on the table right now, Mary Kay. And I've got to tell you, I still am not completely convinced they're even going to lose Sunday, let alone not make the playoffs. I still think they're in a good position to be playing week 19. Yeah, I think so too. I think when you have a defense that is this good, nothing is off the table. And when you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers this weekend, they are averaging only 165 yards passing over their last three games. The reason, a major reason why the Pittsburgh Steelers are winning football games is because they're winning the turnover battle on a consistent basis. And they are tied for number one in the NFL with a plus 10 turnover turnover differential. And they're also either tied for number one or our number one with 18 takeaways. So that's what the Browns kind of have to to think about this weekend is protecting the ball and winning the turnover battle. And what they can't do is put Dorian Thompson Robinson in position to be either getting strip sacked or throwing those interceptions, because that is what will be the kiss of death for them if they do that. Turnovers are the great equalizer. The Browns have the more talented football team heading into Sunday, and they should still win the football game, but they're not going to win the football game if they turn it over. Um, It's really hard to predict what the Browns are going to do the rest of the way because we really don't know what Dorian Thompson-Robinson is going to be all about when he goes out there and starts how many ever games he's still going to start. We do know that they're going to add a third quarterback of some sort. We don't know the caliber or the level of that quarterback yet. We don't know what they have in mind. Maybe they have something up their sleeve that is a trick that we don't know about. But for now, that's why Kevin Stefanski wrote 1-0 on the whiteboard today, because they just have to really worry about this particular game. Now, I did get the impression, listening to both Kevin and Andrew Barry, that they, you know, it seems like they feel pretty good about the quarterback room going forward. It almost seems to me like they think Dorian Thompson-Robinson can take them where they want to go. But we all know that where they want to go is the Super Bowl, and it's a tall order. I think it's a tall order for a fifth-round pick who has one start under his belt. Yeah, so, okay, if 10 wins is the playoffs... The Browns have to go four and four, right? Which don't want to go too deep in the schedule game, but right, you're gonna beat the Bears. Yeah, like you better. That's, I don't, that's one win, right? You should at least split Denver and L. Like you're gonna, you should beat the Rams. You you might beat Denver too. I mean, they're playing well lately, but they're still beatable. So that, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. If you can steal one of these division games. If you can beat Denver or L.A. or both, if you can beat Chicago, which you should, Texans are good, but that's a young quarterback. Put some pressure on him, see what happens. The Jets, Zach Well, even if Aaron Rodgers is starting that game, that's still a beatable team. I think there are four wins on this schedule somewhere, Ashley. I do too, and again, like kind of going through the story that 
I wrote today where it was basically a bunch of the defensive guys talking about their mentality and they have their job to do and they feel pretty confident in that. The Browns right now, number one overall defense, 242.7 yards per game. The best passing defense in the league. They're still the best team at giving up first downs. They're only giving up 12.6 per game. Still the best third down team in the NFL. They're only allowing 18.6 points per game, which is the sixth best mark. And I had multiple defensive guys say today, if they don't score, they can't win. And that, I think they truly, truly believe that. Oh, and Miles Garrett just happens to be tied for the lead league (laughs) in sacks right now. With 11. So when you talk about winning these games, I think they know, and I think it was Mo Hurst today who said, like, when you have a rookie quarterback or an inexperienced quarterback, like, yes, there might be more pressure for you as the defense. And I think that's just because, like, you want to try to create as large of a margin of error as humanly possible for the offense because you know there's bound to be some mistakes. But I think even in that game against the Ravens, had DTR obviously not thrown three picks, but even if those first two had not gotten the Ravens to the Browns, I think it was 38, and then I know the first one was the 10, the defense would have had a much easier time and maybe some of those second quarter breakdowns don't happen. And then by the third quarter, they had corrected things, right? So I do think looking at the schedule, Things are very, very winnable. I mean, the caveat is like what Mary Kay says, it's hard to win in the NFL without a quarterback. But there are historical examples of teams who lose their quarterback, their star quarterback, and have a really good defense to kind of shepherd them through the rest of the way. Including one team that had Rodney McLeod starting at safety and Jim Schwartz as the defensive coordinator. And that, of course, was the 2017 Eagles. Um, So... There's some familiarity in this building of a team that's done that. And here's the other thing I would ask Mary Kay of the Browns. Now we could look at some of their losses and ask how many games have the quarterback has the quarterback lost them. But of their six wins to this point, how many are actually just because of the quarterback? I mean, Cincinnati, Deshaun played okay against Cincinnati, but it was rainy. That was a defensive win. Tennessee, again, Deshaun played well against Tennessee, but that was 27 to 3. That was a lot on the defense, too. San Francisco, that was a defense game. Indianapolis, I don't know, Miles Garrett jumping over people. (laughs) Maybe, I don't know. There was a lot that went into that. Uh, Arizona, again, Deshaun played great against Arizona, but they shut out the Cardinals. Baltimore is the one game where you make the case like that was the game that the quarterback won for you. But if we really want to make this case, I could look at their other five wins and say that Yes, there were games where the quarterback played well, but I don't know that I think it was the, the quarterback was the reason they won those games. The counterpoint there is, did they lose to Seattle because of the quarterback? Maybe. Um, and maybe a couple other, you know, did they lose to Pittsburgh because of the quarterback? Maybe. Baltimore? Maybe. So those three losses. But of their six wins, they kind of won regardless of who was playing quarterback. Yeah, and I think that's a testament to the strength of their defense. And when you consider the fact that they have given the ball away a league-high 19 times, and they are still 6-3 and three with an opportunity to play for the AFC North lead this Sunday, I think that that really speaks so much to your defense and how darn dominant that defense has been. So to this point, they haven't needed your quarterback to go out there and rule the world on Sundays. But I will tell you, as you get down into these final games of the season where, you know, everything gets tighter, everything gets more tense, the stakes are higher, 
that's when you start to see uh, some of these shootouts. That's when you start to see the cream rise to the top. And you see these incredible QB battles that we've seen over the last couple of years. Uh, so, you know, maybe, maybe it won't be that way. Maybe they'll be able to get by with, with good, mistake-free quarterback play and completely, completely dominant defense. When I talked to Obo Okoronkwo, Obo Okoronkwo today, he said he believes that they are the best defense of all time. Not, Ron Thornhill told me that was the goal this year at the beginning of the season. Yeah. I mean, he, he just said t- today that's what they are. They're the best defense of all time. So if that is true and they really believe that about themselves, then I think they're going to go out and put this team on their back and, and still win a lot of games. And it is possible to go out there and prevent the opponent from scoring and to prevent – uh, the opponent from converting a third down and all of those things that they have been doing. So I do think, and, and they're getting the takeaways now. Now they are getting the takeaways too. So if they can continue to do those kinds of things, then their goals and hopes and dreams are still in front of them. But it gets increasingly difficult to do those things without really, really amazing quarterback play. We'll have to see how it goes. Yeah, and like making the playoffs and what you do in the playoffs are two different discussions here, you know, because you're not going to get to play Justin Fields or what's the guy's Tyler Badgett? Is that his name? Yeah. Is it Tyler? I don't know. You're not going to get to play play one of those guys in the playoffs, right? You're not going to get to play um, – you're not probably not going to have to play Russ Wilson in the playoffs, although he's gotten a little better. Zach Wilson, you know, like – you don't necessarily have to play those types of quarterbacks in the playoffs. That's when it gets dicey, and it just comes down to your matchups, right? Maybe your matchups play out well enough in the playoffs that, like, I think this defense could do really well against Miami. They're physical, tough defense. They get after the quarterback. I think they'd be okay against a team like that. But against Patrick Mahomes, yeah, you got to match him throw for throw, and they don't have that ability. So when you get to the playoffs, it's all about matchups. But right now, again, Ashley, I look at this schedule, and I think – if DTR is at least, if he gives you average quarterback play, I think you can manage this schedule and still get to the postseason at least. It's what Mary Kay said. I mean, I think it really comes down to, can he not turn the ball over? Okay, cool. That's literally basically all we need. We need you to not turn the ball over, but move the ball down the field, and we've somehow managed to cobble together this run game got by committee, and that's great and you still have Amari Cooper, like, that's, a, you know, an asset that a lot of quarterbacks would be really, really lucky to have. And Amari Cooper does have this tendency to make the quarterbacks he plays with better. And I think it's, like, his skill on the field. It's also how communicative he is and how much he just wants to talk about what he's seeing and kind of pass along that knowledge. But, you know, to go back to the game this week, you know, the Steelers right now, Looking at where they were, their net differential right now, that's where they lead because they're tied for the lead league in takeaways with 18. They've only given the ball away eight times. The Browns aren't that far behind them in takeaways. They have 15, but they've given the ball away 19 times. So that's the key there. I think that's so much of what it comes down to. It's remarkable that they're 6-3 and three, given how many games they have lost the turnover battle in. Um, it's just an anomaly almost. So I do think that's what it comes down to. Can he protect the football? And if so, great. Okay. Um, there we go. Deshaun Watson out for the season. 
Uh, there's our full podcast recapping it. We'll be back with our preview pod on Thursday. As usual, we're not going to be ready to make picks for this game, but we're actually, wait, you guys are, you guys already made your picks. You guys are already on record as having picked, as having picked the Cleveland Browns to win this game. Can I say, if you go back and listen to their podcast, I say, I can't imagine what would make me (laughs) pick the Steelers in this game or pick against the Browns. But, you know, I do think the starting quarterback for Cleveland having a season ending fracture in his shoulder might be one of those things that I could not have foreseen. I guess we'll see. I think that qualifies. I guess we'll see what happens between now and when we record on Thursday. Uh, Just get subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Become a Football Insider subscriber. We were texting like crazy today. Updates. We texted out the news, press conference stuff, just texting like crazy. If you want to get involved, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page for that. And also find us on Instagram. Uh, You can see our recap video of the day there. And find us on YouTube. Search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com for that. For Ashley and Mary Cam, Dan, thanks for listening, everybody.